Hey, welcome out to the Good Vibe Hive. We are super excited this week. We have uh, Mr. Moon with us. He is seriously like one of the coolest guys that I've ever seen. Actually, we came into his store probably a month ago, and that's when we learned about him and what he does. And anyways, I won't explain who he is or what he does. I'll let him do that for us. But um, we're just super excited for this. So, uh, Mr. Moon, do you mind just introducing yourself a little bit? Sure. My name is Reed Moon. I'm the owner of Moon's Rare Books in Provo, Utah. And um, I don't know how far back you would like me to go, but uh, <laughs> I've been here um, for the past five years, moved here from Dallas, Texas. Perfect. Um, do you want to give us just a little bit on your background, kind of what your role is in owning the store? And... Sure. Well, uh, let's go back to college. I changed majors four times. Nothing really caught my interest. Yeah. Um, but if we flash forward to a few years ago, my daughter signed me up for career day at school. And I said, great, yeah, I'm happy to have that. By the way, what did you sign me up as? And she said, treasure hunter. <laughs> <laughs> and I says, what did your teacher say? And she says, well, she asked, what do you mean by treasure hunter? Does that mean sunken ships, uh, Florida Keys? And she goes, no, I just told her you were more like Nicolas Cage in National Treasure. <laughs> and she said, yeah, right. And really didn't. Uh, thought that was quite the exaggeration. Mm -hmm. So I went uh, to school and she quickly changed her view. I'm sure she <laughs> after did. After I took a lot of the rare books, documents, and artifacts that I tracked down. And so they ended up talking me into staying all day and doing every grade level. And wow. because they thought it was so interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, that's kind of how we feel. After we came into the, your store about a month ago, pretty much everybody we run into, we tell them, like, you need to go to the store. It is, like, the coolest experience ever. So. Well, and the store in its current incarnation wasn't what it was when it first started out because... Um, so I changed majors four times. I did business, I did accounting, I did science. I ended up getting my degree in international relations, which is world history. And that really kind of, I just realized, wow, I love history. And, but with just that degree, it's difficult to get like a, let's say a lifetime job without getting a more advanced degree. But I went back to Dallas, got involved in the family business which was a big insurance agency, but we had a small bookstore in the same offices as a service to the local community. And back in the mid eighties, uh, people would come in every day asking for books that were out of print. And this is pre-internet. The question is, how do you tra track down books before there was the internet? You had to physically go find them, really is what it boiled down to. Or you had to go to the downtown public library and find yellow pages or business pages for other cities and write down addresses and send letters asking. And it was, it could take weeks to find out if a bookstore had a particular book. And so I opted to just do my, most of my research um, in person, just hitting all of these bookstores. And this is also before there was computerized inventory. And so people say, oh, we probably have a book. It would be back there and you would just have to go look. And so things have changed quite a bit in the past, but uh, that's how it started out. And I soon realized I would rather talk to people about books than sell insurance. Calling up, can I give you a quote on your homeowners or your auto insurance? No, click. And But I love talking to people because 
you immediately bond with people who are looking for things they get excited about books and I wanted to help them find those books and I even told my father I said I think I'd rather do the bookstore than insurance and he says you'll never make a living selling books we've had this bookstore for 10 years it can't even pay its rent well I kept with the insurance for a second year but at the end of the second year I I could really see the improvement in the bookstore and I said I'm gonna do books and I've never looked back and um, so I've had uh, stores in Los Angeles and Dallas and over the years they've expanded um, to include uh, to be well almost exclusively now used in rare books I remember 15 years ago I could see the writing on the wall with new book sales dropping and really in the past 15 years half of all bookstores have closed it's a tough business competing against Amazon and online businesses but I decided to focus on an area that is very hard to duplicate online and that is the used and rare books that have a story and we've created we tell people we're really a museum disguised as a bookstore mm -hmm. and so you come in and you really that's the first question you ask what is this place and really only about half of the items are for sale and half of the items are just to, so that we can share stories and uh, non-covid times we have over 30,000 people come through the store including each year let's say 150 church and school groups that bring groups in and um, um, especially it's fun to read the Google reviews because everybody's number one thing is we're shocked you have to go it's and mm -hmm. to compete against online you have to create an actual experience for somebody and that's what we do it is a, an, something that cannot be duplicated online and that's what uh, that's why more and more people are finding out about us and um, and um, with my Instagram having gone worldwide it's satisfying to see a lot of people all over the world saying that their number one bucket list item when they come to America is to try to make it to Utah <laughs> and come to this bookshop over the Statue of Liberty and a bunch of other things so. well that's pretty a high compliment for yourself yeah. that's awesome um, one of the things that I really loved about when we came through the store was it it seemed to make history kind of come to life um, I don't know if that's something that you hear a lot but that is actually our um, when people buy something in our gift bag we have a little card and it says moon's rare books bringing history to life <laughs> yeah. I love it I love it, it really does you. <laughs> because you know I I you have history classes in high school, and I think the substance behind history is so fascinating that really everybody could be super interested. But in some ways, high school, for me, it, it kind of dumbed down history. And, you know, I had great teachers that made it super interesting, and I had other t teachers that kind of made it more boring and just like reading a textbook. Um, so again, what I, what I loved about coming here was, man, I got to learn about people. I got to learn about their histories, and I got to s physically see things that kind of brought them to life in a way that that I hadn't experienced before um, was that part of your vision when you were creating this or it it, it graduated into that mm -hmm. um, I learned early on that people love a story and you grab their attention with a story rather than reading something out of just directly out of a book and so 
we've kind of fine-tuned that to where uh, that's what people come away with is, wow, I actually felt like I learned something or I got to see something that made what I had heard about earlier more concrete, more visual. That's very cool. Well, anyways, I, I just wanted to compliment you on that. Yeah. It, was, it was super cool. Yeah. I mean, I assume your business is travel-based. Yes. You do a lot of traveling. Is there any favorite experiences you'd like to share? Anything unique well, or interesting? Well, um, I've traveled roughly two and a half million miles, which is equivalent oh to a hundred times around the world. Oh, my gosh. I've Dream been, job, right? <laughs> I've been to 50 different countries. And so there could literally be a podcast on like one trip right, right. uh i i meet the most interesting people yeah i'm i have uh, i mean i've had um a 10 hour train ride from tangiers to marrakesh in morocco uh, during the Gulf War, talking about politics and religion with the locals. I mean, and that is quite, um, uh, well, it had me a little bit on edge. But, it leaves an impact. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, but I was able to acquire on that trip a 400-year-old handwritten copy of the Quran. And, and so, I mean, every trip there's a new acquisition. Um, my favorite traveling place for acquisitions is the United Kingdom, the UK, just because really I'm looking for books mostly in English because um, that's most of the demand. Early Jane Austen, Charles Dickens, Shakespeare, and others. And so I love going to the UK. And in, a, in, a, in an average year, I will go four to six times just to the UK. Last year, the COVID year, I was able to squeeze one trip in before everything shut down. And mm -hmm. so, yes, I've been a bit antsy not being able to travel as much, but I've just really stayed in touch with all of my connections everywhere, and I've been able to keep a steady flow of books coming in in spite of the shutdown. Yeah, that's impressive. So what has the transition been like? I mean, you talk about being able to stay in contact with those people and those connections that you have around the world. That's uh, something that would have been very difficult to maintain uh, under different circumstances, like even just 20 years ago. Um, how has your business changed? You talk about at the beginning, you used to have to physically go and find the addresses. You go talk to all the different bookstores. How has it molded as you've been able to integrate to more online type things? Still, I think it surprises people that 80% of our acquisitions have nothing to do with online they are relationships where I have met individuals all over the world. They know my specific areas of interest and they contact me when they find something. And um, so, but yes, uh, online now I can do book auctions around the world. I, a lot of times I'm waking up at 3 a.m. so that I can participate online in a London book auction. <laughs> and uh, I sit there and bid anonymously. I'm, I'm registered for the auction. And I've made this past year, I actually relied on auctions a little more than normal just because that's where a lot of the books that normally would have ended up at book fairs went just to reach people. And mm -hmm. so, oh, uh, yes, it's in 
valuable to be able to have mm -hmm. online access to communicate with people and get immediate responses or at least within 24 hours. I just realized that the UK is typically from where I am seven hours ahead. And so I realized, oh, if like right now, bookstores are closed. It's it's in the evening there. And so I, I keep mentally track of that. But I also know that I can, before I go to bed, I can send off a flurry of emails that they will see in an hour or two. And when I wake up, my answers are there. And so it, I've worked into a pretty good routine. Yeah. That's, I mean, it works, especially with this day and age. The internet provides a lot of awesome opportunities. Um, clearly, you've been able to turn this into a career, unlike what your father predicted. Um, you have different specialties, different interests. What is your number one goal with your business and with your, um, what, as you progress in the future, what? Well, my goal is repeated daily it is to inspire a new generation of people who will just love history and give it a second chance and um, I've had many people change their major or area of interest just because something clicked after a visit and we fully believe in giving back to the community and something we don't make a huge deal about but we do want people to know that we use half of our annual profits to go to uh, charity to and and the specific charity that we work with is generations humanitarian we feed disadvantaged children in latin america and our store uh, right now is sponsoring about feeding 700 kids a day oh wow and and so i think that you can go into a business that um, is a benefit to the world. Yeah. I mean, it may, literally makes a, diff, a life and death, diff, a life and death, death difference for many people. But um, at the fun, at the same time, I don't know of anybody who has more fun than me tracking down these rare books and documents. And so it's very rewarding. And people say, "What are you going to do when you retire?" And I say. I'm already doing that. <laughs> if I retired, I would travel the world looking for rare books and documents. I would do what I can to help the yeah. poor and disadvantage. And, and as I'm doing that, I typically involve family and children and give them um, like a better worldview. Yeah. Yeah. That was my next question. Is your family, do they, do they travel with you? And yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's... Um, my wife's friends are very jealous when she says, oh, I'm off to the Paris book fair with my husband. Oh, I'm man. off to London. And so, she, but she doesn't do all of the trips. But I, I fully realize that many people, it's a maybe once or twice in a lifetime event to be able to travel to the other side of the world. And to, for it to be a regular occurrence yearly is just a, a huge bonus absolutely mm -hmm. that's awesome so i want to hear about your favorite um interests when it comes to history or artifacts what are some of the the things that hit home best for you well i there are so many things in the world and it's a huge learning curve for each area that you study that i have kind of honed my interest into early American history, 
European history from the past 500 years. Um, I'm very proud that I know every French and English monarch from the 1400s to present, Mm -hmm. when they were king, when they were queen. And because I also look for books that belong to those individuals. Yeah. Uh, I have a King James Bible that belonged to King James. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so I, I love, I, I just love history. And I do appreciate literature also. So my, my favorites are J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, um, and The Hobbit. I love... Um, Really, I'm a huge fan of Charles Dickens. He was one of the first world superstars as far as just being wildly entertaining in the 19th century. And um, and then also, I've after college and everything, I've given Shakespeare another look, and I am actually fascinated by Shakespeare. Okay. That's awesome. So I think you have some goodies here that you would like to share. Yes. Um, Often people will ask, what's the oldest book that you have? And I will pull out a book and it's, it's a white colored book, but it's also 700 years old. And back then that's pre-printing press. So the printing press is 500 years ago. So it's hand, it's handwritten and, um, they're almost always religious in nature because they were copied down by monks. This is what's called a book of hours. There were prayers that were said at certain times of the day. And so there's in certain times of the year. And so this is hand done. It's on animal skin, the entire book. Um, it would have taken at least six to nine months to do by hand. But, that is what it looks like. That it's is crazy. beautiful. Oh my word. I don't know. Yeah, you can yes, show the absolutely. camera. I wish I could write like that. Wow. Yeah, that is incredible. So, I, I actually had a group of fifth graders in here right before Christmas, and they were very impressed. And I asked them, and they asked how much, and I said, how much it was worth. And I said, well, the market kind of determines it. Yes, it's a 700 year old book. What do you think it's worth? And so they collectively got together and they said, a billion dollars. <laughs> and I said, believe me, I wish I had a book that was worth that much. But a book like that is about 35000 to $40,000. Still pretty pricey. Yeah. And then the kids said, oh, that's not that much. And I said, you go home and try to earn that much <laughs> and tell me $35,000 isn't a lot for a book. Yeah. yeah. But then I said, but here's a lesson for you. Then I pulled out another book, and this is the protective case, but I said, here is a book printed in the past 50 years that is worth over $100,000. It's back to the supply and demand. A lot of people really would like this book, and it has pushed the value of this book. It's really probably the most sought-after book printed in the, definitely in the past 50 Well. Actually, it was printed in the past 25 years, and so it absolutely is the most sought-after book in the past 25 years. It is a first edition Harry Potter. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. And it's goodness. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> yes. But 
The this Philosopher's is, Stone, uh, not the yes. Sorcerer's. It was changed a year and a half later when it was printed in America. Because <laughs> we're not smart enough. They to... dumbed it down. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but this one is actually signed, which makes it oh, even yeah. worth more. But it, the the first printing, they only printed five hundred, and that was because they knew the British Library system would buy three hundred. And so there were only ever maybe 200, and these books got read, and nobody knew that it was going to take off. And so there are very few book, surviving books, and it's pushed the price up to yeah. quite a bit of money. But this one is actually signed, which and it's one of our probably top five favorite books in the store. And it's one that's kind of our permanent collection because it's so popular that we would have so many disappointed fans if we were to sell it because this book is signed by an 11 year old daniel radcliffe before oh, the movie adorable. comes out so it's 2000 the first movie doesn't come out for a year nobody knows who he is so he has to say harry <laughs> oh my goodness that's but, so cool and then yeah that's so cool and then we have one of the movie props, one of the letters delivered by the owls. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're all about this. You're a huge Harry Potter I love fan. Harry Potter. I really yeah. do. Well, um, and that's just it. So many people grew up with this yeah. and it was so important. And so there, 700 years, 23 years ago, um, you have that. And then, and then I say, well, let's go in between. Mm-hmm. Let's go in between, and then I pull out another book that I'll, and I say, if the three of us went back in time to January of 1776, only one of us will say, you would have been for independence. We're living in New England. Okay. Your husband, loyal to England. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I'm on the fence. But along came a guy with a gift of writing, and he got people off the fence, and by summer, there's a majority of people. Um, there was a little pamphlet printed in Philadelphia by a guy named Thomas Paine called Common Sense. Okay. And this is one of the original surviving copies of Thomas Paine's Common Sense. There are fewer than a dozen surviving. To find other copies in America... Harvard, Yale, Library of Congress. Yeah. Provo, Utah. Provo, Utah. <laughs> All because of Mr. Moon. Wow. But that one, it's in this protective case. But. Yeah. So that right there, 700 years old, almost 300 years, well, 250 years old and um, 25 years old. That kind of gives people a variety of the types of things that we have. And then what we let people do is we challenge them. Name any person, place, event, past 500 years. And we will show you something. Um, Invariably, somebody will say, the Civil War or Abraham Lincoln. And I'll go, I'll go over to the safe. I'll open it up. And I will pull out an original handwritten letter from Abraham Lincoln in his own hand. 
written in the executive mansion and to the honorable secretary of war he is directing business from the civil war in his own hand yours truly abraham lincoln abraham lincoln typically wins favorite president of the u.s he's usually the most admired right behind washington but this is an original handwritten letter by abraham lincoln and you never see that in school but here that is an original copy i'm a huge fan of lord of the rings and i have a this is all three volumes this is the protective case but it's all three volumes and it came out it was Tolkien really uh, would like to if it had been a single book, but his publisher said, no way, it's going to be three books. And so they decided on titles for the books. Well, Tolkien did. And the publisher said, we don't like your third title. We're going to call the final book The Return of the King. The first book is Fellowship of the Ring. The second book is The Two Towers. And Tolkien said, you're giving away the story. That makes no sense. You're pretty much telling them what's going to happen. I love Tolkien's original title. The third volume was supposed to be called The War of the Ring. Way better title. <laughs> but this set is also signed, which is extremely rare oh, wow. in his elfish Whoa. handwriting. And I don't know if you're... Can pick that up? But... This is one of my favorite acquisitions over the time is a, a first edition set of Lord of the Rings signed. It's so rare. You can go online right now, 600 million books listed. There will not be a first edition Lord of the Rings signed for sale in the world right now. In the world. Okay, I don't know a lot about Lord of the Rings. I'm just curious, when were these, when did these 19, come out? 1954-55, uh, but in 1937, The Hobbit came out. And okay. it was 17, that was the precursor to this. Okay, gotcha. And then when he wrote this, he had to change a few things in The Hobbit to kind of mesh the books together. But that's a, another fascinating area. Um, now, I tell people, I'm always looking for a book with a story. And I went to the New York Book Fair a week before everything shut down. And... Um, we found a book there normally i would have passed on the book but it was a book on magic called porta's natural magic it's one of the oldest books in english on magic translated from the italian and norm and i have a copy right here but the, the small group i was with um they said, hey, let's get this book. And I go, no, we're only looking for like spectacular stories. And they go, um, this is Houdini's copy of Natural Magic. Oh, wow. And in his own biography, he talks about finding that as he traveled the world, he tracked down, he felt it was his responsibility to track down rare books and documents. And we even know that he bought this book in Birmingham, England in 1904 in his travels. And so you have the most famous magician in the world, his favorite book on magic. That is a treasure. Oh that my is very word. Cool. Houdini's Natural Magic. Let me just make sure this is still rolling. Okay. 
Um, then maybe one more to kind of round things out. Yeah. Because again, it's all about the story. Here I have a postcard. It's it's a penny postcard. Okay. In America, between about 1920 and 1950, you could send a note, a postcard, to anybody for a penny. For a penny. But somebody said, that would actually make a good place to get an autograph because it's a sturdy piece of paper. So on the other side is an autograph. And so they got the autograph and then they told the person in case people forget who you are can you write why you're currently famous and that person wrote but they only wrote five letters below their name but when i'm pretty sure everybody who sees it will then know why that person was famous oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so what? cool. That would be Albert Einstein E equals MC squared. Not many people can just put five and yeah. then all of a sudden one of the most famous formula in the world. But that right there, just those few items give you a good idea of the experience people have with the bookstore and why it's so fun for them. Yeah. That oh, is incredible. Yeah. That's so fun. Well, thank you so much for being willing to share with us. Um I think we're to a point where we better start wrapping this up. Um, so our trademark at the Good Vibe Hive, we always ask people what one good vibe they want to leave with us um, is. And that can be anything from, you know, just, just a positive message that you feel you've been able to learn through your life experiences um, with books or just whatever you'd like to share. So I'll just go ahead and ask the question now. Um, what good vibes do you want to leave with us in the hive? Um don't forget about books with all of everything being digital books are important books with family with children read together um, that is my big recommendation um, don't just have all the fun yourself reading by yourself sometimes read out loud and discuss these books and I can assure you whoever you do that with will remember it uh, a lot longer than they will remember that they sat down and watched something on TV or online, but read together and talk about books. And um, everybody thought books would go away when everything started going Kindle, digital ebooks, but it did for a little bit, but I've seen a resurgence and it's very gratifying to see that, that books will always be with us. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate your time and, and your story. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Really Cool People. If you're not following us on social media yet, you really need to. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Go follow us. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss out on any adventures from our Good Vibe Hive. We'll see you next Saturday for another edition of Really Cool People.